0: Welcome back to The Independent Spouse, and what an episode we have for you today. If you're a business owner, you'll know that as soon as we get past Halloween, there's another scary event on the horizon. Yes, tax season. Luckily, I know the most fantastic accountant who also happens to be a military spouse and a Milspo ambassador, and that is who I am talking to today. But first off, a note from the sponsors, the Royal British Legion. The Royal British Legion can offer you financial support, whether it's helping you manage your debt, setting up a new home or business, or just checking you and your family are getting the benefits you're entitled to. They've got your back. Search RBL online or head to www.britishlegion.org.uk. My guest today, Caroline Hocking, is an expert in all things tax and HMRC. So it gives me great joy to be able to bring in this episode today, just as we start creeping towards that January HMRC deadline. But don't worry, this episode may be all about finances, but it is far from boring. In fact, you'll get so much from this, whether you have your own business or not. So grab a pen, take some notes and enjoy this episode of the Independent Spouse Podcast. Hello, wonderful Caroline. How are you? Hello I'm good thank you. This is going to be brilliant so you are my go-to for all things tax and I know this is going to be a great interview for anybody out there who has their own business but to start off could you please introduce yourself and your business.
1: Yeah I'm Caroline Hockey and I am the owner of
0: Mona Accountancy Services. Brilliant. So we're going to go into more detail about your fab business in a minute. But first, I want to quiz you on all things HMRC and tax, because as mentioned, you are an expert on this stuff. And I know that's going to help so many people, especially at this time of year, as we're coming up to the end of the year. It is a crazy time for you. Absolutely. So a huge thank you for coming on and spending time talking to me, but also for anybody out there who is doing their own tax return. So question number one you're just starting out in business, do you actually really need to register with HMRC and do a tax return?
1: Short story is ideally yes, but it depends on your income level. So there is something which is sort of like a hobby allowance with HMRC. So if you make under a £1,000, you don't need to declare it with HMRC. They sort of account for people, especially doing things like buying and selling on eBay or Amazon, things like that, where you're not necessarily making a huge amount of income but you're just doing it just to tide yourself over, they allow for that. But if you're making over a thousand pounds, and by making, I mean selling, like your income is over a thousand pounds, not offsetting it and spending it all and going, well, I spent this and I bought this, so therefore I've equaled out. It's what you bring in as income. If it's over a thousand pounds, then you do need to register with
0: HMRC and start declaring it. So that's that's not profit. That's all the money that you take is over a thousand pounds before you take away costs. Exactly that, yeah. But do you really need to? Because, you know, some people are like, yeah, but I just, you know, make some pocket money. It's not really much. Yeah, it's probably over £1,000, but it's under the personal allowance. What are the penalties if you don't? So if you don't file out a tax return and you're obligated to,
1: HMRC generally will find out. They find out through different things like bank accounts and how much interest you might have made. They have their ways of finding out. They're connected everywhere. And if they do find out and they then go, we believe you have income, you need to fill out a tax return. At that point, because they've prompted it, you will get heavier fines than if you turn around and actually just file it yourself. These could be anything from late filing penalties, which that will be an instant £100 from the first day you haven't filed. After 30 days, they rack up even further again. Then they start adding on percentages of tax you owe. It could just end up being very costly. Even if you've not actually got taxable income, that instant fine of £100 for a late return, like one day after that filing deadline that could negate all of that effort of just doing it in the first place. It's not worth it. To be fair, I know it's a bit of a faff and a bit of a hassle, but it's better than the financial consequences of then having to pay any potential fines and penalties and having HMRC questioning you.
0: When I started off, I was a little bit worried about the tax plan. In fact, it was the one thing that was really like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is all cutting the It's very official, it's very legal. But registering is so easy. You just pop onto the government website, don't you?
1: Yep, it is really easy. If you just Google register for self-assessment, it will come up and it is just a really simple form where you fill out your details, when you've started your business, some basic information generally like your name, address, your national insurance number, those kind of things, and you're done. It literally takes five minutes. It's really simple and just saves all of that hassle down the line of going, oh my God, I've not registered. Especially if there is a deadline to register for self-assessment. So if you are making income you need to register for self-assessment this is a bit complicated at times so you need to register for self-assessment by the 5th of October following the end of the tax year so what I mean is if you are making income today for the first time and you've got to the point where you have gone okay I now need to fill out a self-assessment you need to tell HMRC for income you're earning today by the 5th of October 2022. So the tax year will end on 5th of April 2022. You'll need to tell them by 5th of October 2022. So it's not something you need to rush out and do right now, but it takes five minutes. So you may as well just get it done. And then you can file your self-assessment then as soon as it comes around in April, rather than having to register, waiting for all the bits to come through and then panicking as you're getting closer and closer to that deadline in January 2023.
0: And they're really good at sending reminders.
1: Yes, they are. <laughs> They'll send them online if you're registered online, but they'll also send you a notification as soon as it comes through in April. As soon as that deadline rolls around, they'll generally either email you if you've got an online account or post it to you. And they'll do it a couple more times throughout the year. And as self-assessment deadline approaches, if they have your mobile number, they'll start texting you as well. But just as a word of warning with that, they will text you, but they'll never ask you to actually do anything from your phone. They'll tell you to log in a bit like a bank would, they will tell you to log in under your own Steam rather than clicking links through your phone.
0: Yes, they will never ask you any personal information over the telephone. And if they do that, you hang up and then you go to online and log in. And I would also flag that when you register, you get a code. And as somebody who's not used that code or has lost that code, it's not the easiest thing to get another one. And especially if you're like me and move house every 10 minutes. So keep on track with your addresses and keep that code because even though these deadlines seem so far away, they always rush up and you're like, where did I put that code? So keep that as a priority.
1: Absolutely. And the more people who haven't got their code, the more people who are requesting things, the slower it takes for it to come through because HMRC will post it. So you then have to wait for them to get around to sending it out for it to come through the post. And if you're doing it over Christmas because you're thinking, I've got to do it in January, you've then got those postal delays. You're better off just making sure you've got it all to hand rather than getting to the point where you're middle of January, still not received anything. And you're starting to panic because you know you've got that deadline.
0: Yeah, get it done. It's a really quick job and you'll be ready for when they send you those reminders. Okay. So I started my business. I'm starting to make some money. I've registered with HMRC. It's going really well. What kind of records should I be keeping?
1: So you need to keep records of everything to do with your business is the short story, but you really need to keep track of all of your income, like where it's coming from. And then you need to keep track of all of your expenses as well especially if you want to be claiming them. So income generally, most people are quite good at going, oh yeah, this is what I've had. Expenses tend to be a little bit more haphazard in record keeping in my experience. But you want to be keeping those because if you haven't got it, how do you know that you've spent it and you need to claim it? So you want to be keeping things like got a business bank account, all of your bank fees and things like that. Ideally, you want a separate business bank account. It's not a necessity for a sole trader, but it is for a limited company. Get onto that at another point. You'll want things like any receipts for things like assets, so things like if you've bought a computer or a printer or anything like that, because you can claim for certain things of like that. You want to make sure things like PayPal fees, Stripe fees, they are really commonly forgotten about. So the general thing is just make sure you keep a record of everything. It's better to have it and not need it than need it and not have it. I would also make sure that you've got all of your bank statements. Kept either digitally or pdfs on your computer just have them to hand because if you deal with an accountant they will generally ask for them when it comes to expenses the key thing to remember is wholly exclusively and necessary undertaking the business so if you're wondering whether you can claim it as an expense that is your key phrase to use so a good example of that would be a landscape gardener would be able to claim for like strimmer wire or a lawnmower But if someone like a coaching business did the same, HMRC would go, well, that's not an allowable expense. So just keep that phrase in mind, wholly necessary, exclusively for the use of the business.
0: There's a lot of talk about expenses. So I'm going to take everybody out for lunch and we'll put it on expenses. Is that something that you can do? No. Entertaining
1: is not allowable at all for tax purposes. You can put it through in your accounts. But for taxation purposes, it is not allowed and has to be added back in. It's a common misconception with people where they think I'm taking a client for lunch. So that's business. It's not allowed. Same for meals. A lot of people go, oh, I bought myself lunch. That's only allowable if you've had to travel generally linked to an overnight stay where you've not been able
0: to bring your lunch with you. Good. I think it's all those 80s television programs we watch where they're like, you know, let's get the champagne and let's live this amazing life. Absolutely. And I think American TV
1: shows as well, where you see a lot of people just taking their clients out to lunch. I think there's a lot of blurring there between the UK system and the American system as well. In the UK system,
0: definitely not allowed. Brilliant. Good to know that. So I'm my sole trader. I've registered with HMRC. I'm making some money. I'm doing my tax return. But holy moly, tax years, what is happening there? You've mentioned it briefly at the start, but I just want to run through it again. When are the tax years and why can I never remember them? So the tax year runs from the 6th of April to the 5th of April. It's an odd day
1: of the year. I have looked into why it is that day of the year. I can't remember exactly. There is ties to farming. There is another reason. I can't remember what it is exactly off the top of my head. But it's the 6th of April one year through to the 5th of April next year. However, to make it nice and simple, HMRC also accept 1st of April to 31st of March. So if in your brain you prefer to keep it four months, it's April to March which to most people tend to do, it's a lot easier in the remembering those odd few days. But
0: either way, HMRC will accept that as your taxable year. And it doesn't matter when you launch your business or when you start your business. It's for a sole trader restricted to that March, April.
1: Absolutely. There is a thing called basis periods. I won't go into it. They're nice and complicated, but they are being abolished by HMRC. So everyone will have to follow the tax year as a sole trader, either from the 6th of April to the 5th of April or 1st of April through to the 31st of March. They're lenient with those days but it is moving that everyone has to follow that tax year.
0: And the tax term goes in at the end of January the next year?
1: Yes so the tax year will run 6th of April to 5th of April. 5th of April finishes and at that point you can start looking to file your tax return for that year that's gone round. The deadline for filing and paying is the 31st of January the following year. So say we've just finished and it is now the, call it the 7th of April, 2021. At that point, you'll be able to file your tax return for 2020-21, which was a 6th of April, 2020 through to the 5th of April, 2021. You can file that at any point up to the 31st of January, 2022, but you also have to pay it on that day as well. So the earlier you get it in, the more time you have to pay that tax bill. There's nothing worse than getting to the 31st of January going, oh, it's deadline day, need to file my tax return and also need to pay it on the same day because you don't know what you need to pay until you fill that form out. So the earlier you get it done, the longer you're giving yourself time to pay before that 31st of January deadline.
0: And very important to remember that Christmas and New Year also come just before that January deadline and nobody wants to be paying tax in January. Absolutely. Why not get it in a little bit early? I have had very painful years of paying my tax returns in January and I wouldn't advise that to anybody. Get it done early, you might as well. Exactly. And once it's done, then you get rid of that
1: little niggle in the back of your head going, Oh, I need to do my tax return that you sort of bat away and you forget about and you forget about until it gets to January. And then you go, oh my God, no, I need to do it and I don't have time and I don't have money. And then you start to panic. Whereas if it's done, you just you get to January and you're that smug person going, done it. All those T V adverts going, make sure you file.
0: You can sit there and go, done it. It's nice. It is. I've also been a smart person. It's a, whole, it's a lot better to do it that way. <laughs> and also, it's so surprisingly easy, actually. Once you get your head down and, yeah, get it done, it's not as frightening as they make out. So, we've done sole traders, big tick. I want to talk about there's so many different types of companies set up out there. There's limited companies, there's sole traders, there's COCs, there's, you know, PLCs. There's a whole world of different companies. But I think the most common are. Sole traders and limited companies. Can you explain the difference between the two?
1: Absolutely. So, the easiest differentiation between the two a sole trader is you personally running a business. There is no legal distinction between you and your business, whereas a limited company is a separate entity in its own right. So, there is a legal definition between you as a person and the limited company. They are completely separate for tax, completely separate beings altogether. Limited companies are good, especially for businesses that are quite asset heavy, where you've got a lot of things, because if something happens with that company, that company is liable, not you, unless you've personally guaranteed it. But that's a whole different thing. Whereas you as a sole trader, if something happens with your business, your business is you. There is no differentiation between what happens. So if something went horrifically wrong and you went bankrupt and people chased you for money, As a sole trader, there is no distinction between the two. They can come for you personally because your business is you. Whereas a limited company, you have that separation. I know I've made that sound really scary. It's really not. For most people, sole trader will work really well. There's certain reasons between going for either on that basis. Tax is another reason. They keep shifting the goalposts of tax. So it's not as efficient to be a limited company as it used to be, but there are perks to it. But I won't go into the full. Details of that, but the short story between the two is a limited company is a separate entity. It's almost like you can think of it as a separate person to you. Is a nice way of just really simplifying it. It's just a different thing completely, packaged in a neat little box. Whereas you as sole trader, it's you all together.
0: Fab. And there are different recommendations for HMRC for returns with a limited company. So with
1: a sole trader, we've sort of run through that. With the limited company, your financial year isn't the same as the tax year. It runs from when you've registered the company for a full 12 months and then that is just the same 12 months unless you elect to change that at any period. So with a limited company, instead of having that filing deadline of January, it will be nine months and one day following the end of your year. So say your company year end is the 30th of September, it will be nine months and one day from the 30th 30th of September is when your corporation tax will need to be paid and your accounts will need to be filed with Companies House. Slight complication in that you don't need to actually file your tax return for a limited company until 12 months after, but if you haven't filed it, you don't necessarily know what you need to pay. So it's easier to get everything done up for that nine-month deadline, and then it's all done and in, and you're not having to remember to file the tax return a few months after.
0: And luckily, they will send you reminders or equally, you could outsource it to somebody like Levy Caroline, who does all the thinking for you, which is actually what I do. Thank goodness, because it can be overwhelming. And they say tax isn't meant to be taxing. And I think we get all a little bit worried, but it is a lot more simple once you get into the process. And as long as you hop your dates or you've got somebody like you doing it for me.
1: And I think it is that You only know what you know. And if you've never done it before, then it is really daunting. But once you get into the routine and especially once you've done the first year and maybe the second year, you start to go, okay, I know when these deadlines are coming up, I'm understanding it a bit more. Even if you don't understand the ins and outs of it and give it to someone like me to do, you do start to understand that, okay, I'm going to get asked for these things around this time and I need to pay this by this time.
0: I talk about, so when we do these business podcasts, and it comes up quite often is, In business, everything is just a little bit of trial and error. And it's what we learn. You know, we can start off as experts in what we're doing, but all the other things like social media or or this case, HMRC and tax, we just don't know it, but we do pick it up and try some things. Like all things in business, we need to have a little bit of understanding of everything. So I would recommend probably doing a first tax return or at least becoming involved with the process because it would work wonders in the long run. And also imagine working in a business and not knowing if you're making any money. Yeah. And I totally agree with that. It's
1: all well and good wanting to just outsource your finances and go, you know what, I've got no interest. I want someone else to do it. But you should still keep that like finger on the pulse of what's actually going on in your business. Even if you don't necessarily understand that you can ask those questions and just have that basic knowledge at the very least of what's actually happening in your business. You don't have to know all of the legislation and how it all works. But I say it's just keeping that idea on your business and just knowing where you are is really key.
0: Yeah, because a business that doesn't make any money is just a very expensive hobby afterwards. Yes. So <laughs> we, we do need to keep track of it. VAT, this is a bit of a mystery. How do I know if I need to pay VAT and do you need to register to do that? So VAT, there is a threshold of £85,000. So
1: it's a rolling 12 months. So that is a thing that trips a lot of people up. People seem to think it's their financial year or the tax year as a 12-month window. It's not. It's a rolling 12-month window you're looking at, where your turnover is 85,000 pounds. If you hit that level, you have to register for that. Is no question in that. So for most people, it's not something you need to worry about. You can voluntarily register for that underneath that limit, and there are pros and cons to doing that depending on your business type, because you can then reclaim your expenses but for a lot of people who aren't sort of expense heavy not necessarily the way forward it's something you'd need to look into further specifically for your business but eighty five thousand pounds is where you have to do it that is also another really easy thing where you can just google register for that and you can do it all online really nice and simple and with making tax digital now you just have to do everything online once a quarter most accounting software's will do it for you or you can get someone like yourself to do it for you it's not as scary as it seems but it is a little bit of a minefield at times especially with post-Brexit and with all of these different changes in legislations that have happened over the last 12 months but HMRC have a huge huge thing of resources on their website where you can literally look at it like do I need to register if you do what do you need to keep they have a huge one thrown there for you
0: it is amazing, honestly, the information they shared. It's not like they're trying to make it hard for you. They want you to fake out. <laughs> Absolutely. It's not the easiest thing when you're first
1: looking, but when you find that sort of link where it's exactly what you need, it will have a full run through. of What next and what next? And it's getting better day by day. It always used to be
0: awful. It's getting better. It definitely is. So if you're like me and you've gone, right, I've done my tax return. I'm a sole trader. I gave it my best shot. But actually, this is not floating my boat. I'm going to outsource it. What is the difference when I'm looking for an accountant or a bookkeeper?
1: There is an overlap between the two. But generally speaking, bookkeepers deal more with the day to day of what's going on. And they'll help you with inputting all of your invoices and all of your purchases and keeping track of your records day to day, whereas accountants tend to deal more with the end result and all of the actual financials of the business and helping you draw up all of your reports and things. But there is a crossover between the two. I know bookkeepers who go up to filing self-assessment tax returns and running reports. I know accountants who deal with a little bit of bookkeeping, so it's not as clear cut as it would seem. Generally, though, accountants will go as far as limited companies, whereas most bookkeepers will stop with self-assessment tax returns for individuals and sole traders. So there is a, depending on what you need, depends on really where you need to be looking, both are good. But my key point, I think, would be if you were looking for either, find someone who's qualified, because there is no actual legislation that says that you need to have any kind of qualifications to call yourself a bookkeeper or an accountant. So Joe blogs down the pub, who's been a builder for 20 years and has always done his own books, could decide that he is now a bookkeeper or an accountant and there is nothing stopping him from doing that. So I would suggest that if you decided to outsource it and find someone, just check that they're actually qualified to be able to help you with it. There is nothing wrong with qualified by experience, but you want to make sure that they're actually good at what they do and aren't just winging it because... We want to make sure it's right. That's the whole point of outsourcing it. But you could probably wing it yourself if you wanted to. If you're paying someone, you want to know that they're doing it right.
0: <laughs> yes, because at the end of the day, it's your tax return. The book finishes with you. I'm just hilarious. Who knew? So it's really important that you get it right. And you are a qualified accountant. I am.
1: Yeah, I've been licensed since 2014, which is Quite a long time. Like, <laughs> whenever I think of the numbers, I'm slightly horrified that I've been doing this for as long as I can.
0: No, it's good. It's good to be an experienced professional and you have your own business called Mona Accountancy. What yeah. does Mona mean? So, Mona is actually Cornish
1: for money. Originally, the business was called Trevenna Accountancy, which Trevenna is my maiden name. Great Cornish name, but when you're outside of Cornwall, most people can't pronounce it, let alone spell it. So, when you're using it for your business and you want people to email you or anything like that, Generally, you've got an issue because it's being spelt wrong and emails don't find you. So I made that decision when starting to work with people around the UK. that Actually, it was a good idea to simplify it. So, yeah, Mona was picked being Cornish for money. So keeping that Cornish link. But full credit to my husband for coming up with that one. That wasn't me. Good Cornish man figured it out for me.
0: And the reason you left Beautiful Cornwall is like all guests on the podcast that you are a military partner, which is wonderful. And you put in your form that you do as part of the research that we do for this interview, that you were sort of ahead of the curve with doing online accountancy. And I just love the fact that military partners were just really hot on the technology. I think it's to do with our partners being deployed or the fact that we move around so much that we just have to be online to connect with people And to communicate with them when they're deployed. It's just like the Zoom meetups that we've been having in Melspo. We've been doing those for years because Zoom was the best way for me to talk to my husband when he was deployed. Before it was trendy, before the pandemic made Zoom trendy, we were doing that. So how have you built your business to fit around military life?
1: I adopted cloud technology quite early on. I'd originally used desktop technology like most people do in the industry. I then met my now husband and very quickly realised that if this was going well, that I was going to have to move and I actually needed to be able to work from anywhere. So I picked up cloud technology quite early on. With COVID, a lot of people have now sort of caught up and have been forced to go that way. I did it years ago and it meant that I could pick my laptop up, as long as I've got Wi-Fi, I can work from anywhere in the world. And it just makes life so much easier. But it also means that very early on, I started dealing with clients who were all over the UK. It didn't matter that I was in Cornwall and they were in Scotland. That had no issue at all because using technology, things like Zoom and using cloud accounting so they can log in and see what I'm looking at, just makes life so much easier. And I ended up with, a, without even knowing the term at the time, a post-improved business. Whereas now I can literally just pick up my laptop and there's no disruption apart from the time it takes me to actually move. There's no disruption in me actually running my business. And even if the Wi-Fi goes down, I can just go sit in a coffee shop. Like there is no real restriction to how I work anymore. It's ideal. and It just means that there's no lag time sort of for my clients. There's no issue in me going, oh, I'm moving and I'm really sorry I can't work with you because I can work with them anywhere and already have been. And it just means that I can keep working and not have to look at getting a job so when I moved I had the questions of are you going to look for a job no no I'm not (laughs) I I have a business and I don't think people realize that it comes with me like there is no issue and now that it's up and running in this way it can move with me wherever I go and I haven't got to do that okay now I need to find a job every time we potentially move.
0: And that really is the joy of a service business. I think the fact that we can stick it in a box and it moves with us, it really has made a huge difference to my life, not having kind of the disappointment really of trying to find a job every one to two years, even though things are changing, it's getting more positive. But when you have your own business, it does make such a huge difference. I want to talk about how you view tax and how it's always a bit of a negative I think we have a responsibility to pay our tax and our national insurance because we should all contribute because equally when the go gets tough we take from other people that's just how society works and I think that's a good thing but you think of it in an even more positive way how do you look at tax? So it's something I've come
1: across a lot with people where they go oh tax and it's always a negative thing it's always seen as really bad but I've reframed it Because to me, tax is like a payment of gratitude to the universe. And that's not going to be terminology everybody's on board with. But it's a payment of gratitude to the universe. It's almost like a payment of thanks for how much money you've made. The more tax you pay is because you've earned more money. So it's not actually a bad thing. Like If you reframe it as actually I'm paying more tax because I've earned all of this extra money, it makes it a much more positive experience. And it's not actually as bad as, oh, I need to hand this money over. So actually, I've done really well. So thank you. Here's my tax.
0: And for me, it means that I can complain about government issues that have nothing to do with me. (laughs) I feel like if I've actually contributed that I have my, you know, my little voice can be heard. But you're right. It's it's a celebration. The more tax you pay, the more successful you are. And that's amazing. And even if the first few years you aren't paying tax or you aren't over the personal allowance thresholds, at least you have a fair idea of how you're doing. And it is definitely something to celebrate. And I think, well done. I think fair play. That's a good way of thinking it because we can so easily feel down about having to give the government money when actually it's... So we can all have a slightly better life. So I like that. Now, for someone like me, who I'm a graphic designer, I'm not good with numbers. I just like visual things. Luckily I have used my accountant thank goodness but what would your advice be to someone like me who maybe is just starting out to help them get on top of their accounts?
1: Just start is a key bit to start with a lot of people just a bit like the touchstone put it off put it off put it off and go deal with that but it doesn't have to be complicated just keep a track of what's coming in what's going out and just make it a little bit of a habit. Even if you just sit down for like one hour a week and just go, oh, this is the bit that I don't want to do, but here we go. And just start keeping a track of things. Even if it's just for your own curiosity and just seeing where you are with things, it doesn't have to be complicated. You don't have to have all the big fancy software that you don't know how to use. There are great softwares out there that make it simple. If you want to use it, that's great. If you don't, keep it on a spreadsheet. If you don't even want to go that far, keep it jotted down in a book. At some point, everything will move to digital, but just keep something and just start small. It doesn't have to be, right, I now need to be a qualified accountant and I need to figure all this out yesterday. Just
0: start small. Like all things in business, that's great advice. Just start small. Just one step. Take that first step. Caroline, thank you so much for today. It's been brilliant talking to you. You You're always my go-to person on email if I need any help with anything money-related. You're a brilliant Mailspot ambassador. You're always in the group, helping people when they need help, making tax less taxing. Before we go, how can we find you? A couple of different ways. My website
1: is www.monaas.com, or you can find me on Instagram under the same sort of handle of mona underscore accs. That's mostly where I hang out is Instagram when I'm actually paying attention, even if I'm not necessarily posting I'm normally looking at things. So if you want to reach out in there, more than welcome. But website, if you want to book in a discovery call or anything like that, you can get hold of me on there or drop me an email through the contact page.
0: Perfect. And before we finish, is there anything else you'd like to add? The only thing at
1: this point would be if you haven't filed your taxone, file it. Get it in, get it done. <laughs> the deadline is gonna soon creep up on you. So just get it out of the way and get rid of that niggle in your head
0: to do it and then you can have a happy christmas and get on with your life absolutely (laughs) oh caroline it's been so fab thank you so much thank you so much for having me a huge thank you to the lovely caroline for sharing all of that fantastic knowledge if you have any more questions and you're a military spouse partner or other half that has their own business you should head over to the milspo community on facebook It's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash milspo, where Caroline would love to help. And if you are looking for an accountant or indeed a bookkeeper, I have just launched a very exciting new milspo search website. It's called find a milspo. It's an online directory where you can now find partnering businesses from all over the world in one place. It's over at findamillsbow.co.uk and it's perfect for finding that next Millsbow business and it's making it just that little bit easier to directly support the armed forces community so go and have a look. That is all from me for today. I'll be back with another episode of The Independent Spouse very soon so I shall see you then.